Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of Course in Miracles original edition, published by our very fine friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, or if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you'll see a drop-down menu that includes the tab Read ACIMOE. On that same drop-down menu, there's an option to subscribe to have both the daily text reading that we share on the call here this morning as well as the lesson for the day sent to your email from the Course in Miracles Society. My name is Lori Cameron. This calls Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern. And today we continue our reading of Chapter 3. <laughs> I want to have my page turned to the right chapter. We're reading Chapter 3, Retraining the Mind, Section 4, Miracles as Accurate Perception, paragraphs 25 through 29. And as we talked about before we started uh, the recording this morning, uh, we thought it was great to read it as we customarily do, taking in uh, the stair-step paragraphs, and then once more through in harmony single paragraph at a time. I think we have one, two, three, or the perfect number of readers for these five paragraphs. So that's marvelous. Um, let's see. Oh, I forgot to continue. <laughs> We're also mindful of our great, great lesson today. Lesson 29, God is in everything I see. God is in everything I see. And by way of opening this morning, too, I was gifted with this marvelous poem. <clears throat> in writing, it looks a little bit loud, but in content, it's very, very singular. Poem from Rumi. It goes like this. Last night, I lost my grip. Love saw me and said, I showed up. Wipe your tears and be silent. I said, oh, love, I'm frightened, but it's not you. Love said to me, there is nothing that is not me. Be silent. I will whisper secrets in your ear. Just nod yes and be silent. A soul moon appeared in the path of my heart. How precious is this journey. I said, oh, love, what kind of moon is this? Love said to me, this is not for you to question. Be silent. I said, oh, love, what kind of face is this? Angelic or human? Love said to me, this is beyond anything that you know. Be silent. I said, please reveal this to me. I'm dying in anticipation. Love said to me, that's where I want you, always on this edge. Be silent. You dwell in this hall of images and illusions. Leave this house now and be silent. I said, oh, love, tell me this. Does the Lord know you are treating me this way? Love said to me, yes, he does. Just be totally, totally silent. 
God is in everything I see. Amen. Oh, beautiful. Thank you so much, Lori. Wow. Beautiful. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lori. Yeah. Thank you. I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> oh, dear me. I'm glad you guys did, too. Thank you. <clears throat> Let's see. Has anyone come along since we began? I'll give you the reading list, and then we'll ask. Today reading, we have Lemoyne, Fran, Robin Marie, Lana, and Karen. We're joined in listening this morning by Diana. And has anyone else come along? Just not yet. Okay. Well, I'm I'm actually uh, up right now. <laughs> I what, if, if you need an extra reader, I'm, I could jump in. Okay, I'll call for, call for it at the end, Diana. Okay, that will be just great. Okay. okay. All right, my dear. Okay, so we'll go ahead and get started in chapter three. Miracles, uh, Chapter 3, Retraining the Mind, Section 4, Miracles as Accurate Perception. Beginning at paragraph 29. <clears throat> Pardon me. We have repeat, repeatedly stated concepts referred to in this course are not matters of degree. Certain fundamental concepts cannot be meaningfully understood in terms of coexisting polarities. It is impossible to conceive of light and darkness, or everything and nothing, as joint possibilities. They are all true or all false. It is essential that you realize that behavior is erratic until a firm commitment to one or the other is made. Uh, Lemoyne. At chapter 3, Retraining the Mind, section 4, Miracles is Accurate Perception. We have repeated, <coughs> excuse me, we have repeatedly stated that the basic concepts referred to in this course are not matters of degree. Certain fundamental concepts cannot be meaningfully understood in terms of coexisting polarities. It is impossible to conceive of light and darkness, or everything and nothing, as joint possibilities. They are all true or all false. It is essential that you realize that Behavior is erratic until a firm commitment to one or the other is made. A firm commitment to darkness or nothingness is impossible. No one has ever lived who has not experienced some light and some of everything. This makes everyone really unable to deny truth totally even if he generally deceives himself in this connection. That is why those who live largely in darkness and emptiness never find any lasting solace. Innocence is not a partial 
attribute. Read that again. Innocence is not a partial attribute. It is not a real defense until it is total. When it is partial, it is characterized by the same erratic nature that holds for other two-edged defenses. Thank you, Lemoyne. I'm Fran. 26. A firm commitment to darkness or nothingness is impossible. No one has ever lived who has not experienced some light and some of everything. That makes everyone really unable to deny truth totally, even if he generally deceives himself in this connection. That is why those who live largely in darkness and emptiness never find any lasting solace. Innocence is not a partial attribute. It is not a real defense until it is total. When it is partial, it is characterized by the same erratic nature that holds for another two-edged defenses, for other. Let me read that again. When it is partial, it is characterized by the same erratic nature that holds for other two-edged defenses. 27. The partly innocent are apt to be quite stupid at times. It is not until their innocence becomes a genuine viewpoint, which is universal in its application, that it becomes wisdom. Innocent or true perception means that you never misperceive and always see truly. More simply, it means that you never see what does not really exist. When you lack confidence in what someone will do, you are testing to your belief that he is not in his right mind. This is hardly a miracle-based frame of reference. It also has the disastrous effect of denying the creative power of the miracle. Thank you, Fran. And Rava Marie. Twenty-seven. The partly innocent are apt to be quite stupid at times. It is not until their innocence becomes a genuine viewpoint, which is universal in its application, that it becomes wisdom. Innocent or true perception means that you never misperceive and always see truly. Or simply, it means that you never see what does not really exist. When you lack confidence in what someone will do, you are attesting to your belief that he is not in his right mind. This is hardly a miracle-based frame of reference. It also has the disastrous effect of denying the creative power of the miracle. 28. The miracle perceives everything as it is. If nothing but the truth exists, and this is really a redundant statement, because what is not true cannot exist, right-minded seeing cannot see anything but perfection. We have said many times that only what God creates or what man creates with the same will has any real existence. This, then, is all the innocent can see. They do not suffer from the distortions of the separated ones. 
The way to correct all such distortions is to withdraw your faith from them and invest it only in what is true. Thank you, Robin Marie. And Lena. Okay. 28. The miracle perceives everything as it is. If nothing but the truth exists, and this is really a redundant statement because what is not true cannot exist, right-minded seeing cannot see anything but perfection. We have said many times that only what God creates or what man creates with the same will has any real existence. This, then, is all the innocent can see. They do not suffer from the distortions of the separated ones. The way to correct all such distortions is to withdraw your faith from them and invest it only in what is true. You cannot validate the invalid. I would suggest that you voluntarily give up all such attempts because they can only be granted. If you are willing to validate what is true in everything you perceive, you will make it true for you. Truth overcomes all error. This means that if you perceive truly, you are canceling out misperceptions in yourself and in others simultaneously. Because you see them as they are, you offer them your own validation of their truth. This is the healing which the miracle actively fosters. Thank you, Lana. Uh, And Karen. 29. You cannot validate the invalid. I would suggest that you voluntarily give up all such attempts because they can only be frantic. If you are willing to validate what is true in everything you perceive, you will make it true for you. Truth overcomes all error. This means that if you perceive truly, you are canceling out misperceptions in yourself and in others simultaneously. Because you see them as they are, you offer them your own validation of their truth. This is the healing which the miracle actively fosters. Thank you, Karen. And thank you, everyone who, who read these paragraphs in our typical stair-step fashion uh, this morning. And just uh, to experience the flow of all of this in the right frame of reference, um, I think it would be most excellent if we went back and started with paragraph 24. Um, so I'll read 24, and then we'll do it just like we did, only backwards. 
with Karen doing 25, Lana 26, Robert Marie 27, Fran 28, and Lemoyne 29. Lori, do you want to add Diana? Uh, I was just thinking, (laughs) Diana, did someone want to, um, you know what, Diana, if you're willing to read, would you read? Would you read paragraph 24? Uh, 24? Sure. I can do that. Okay. So, well, I'll take in 24 um, just as completely as we can, and then we'll run through it again in harmony. Okay. Take it away, Diana. 24. Innocence is incapable of sacrificing anything because the innocent mind has everything and strives only to protect its wholeness. This is why it cannot misproject. It can only honor man because honor is a natural greeting for the truly loved to others who are like him. The lamb taketh away the sins of the world only in the sense that the state of innocence or grace is one in which the meaning of the atonement is perfectly apparent. The innocence of God is the true state of mind um, of his son. In this state, man's mind does see God, and because he sees him as he is, he knows that the atonement not sacrifice is the only apparent gift to his own altar where nothing except true perception belongs the understanding of the innocent is truth that is why their altars are truly radiant thank you chapter three retraining the mind four Miracles as Accurate Perception We have repeatedly stated that the basic concepts referred to in this course are not matters of degree. Certain fundamental concepts cannot be meaningfully understood in terms of coexisting polarities. It is impossible to conceive of light and darkness or everything and nothing as joint possibilities. They are all true or all false. It is essential that you realize that behavior is erratic until a firm commitment to one or the other is made. Okay, 26. A firm commitment to darkness or nothingness is impossible. No one has ever lived who has not experienced some light and some of everything. This makes everyone really unable to deny truth totally, even if he generally deceives himself in this connection. That is why those who live largely in darkness and emptiness never find any lasting solace. Innocence is not a partial attribute. It is not a real defense until it is total. 
when it is partial, it is characterized by the same erratic nature that holds for other two-edged defenses. 27. The partly innocent are apt to be quite stupid at times. It is not until their innocence becomes a genuine viewpoint, which is universal in its application, that it becomes wisdom. Innocent or true perception means that you never misperceive and always see truly. More simply, it means that you never see what does not really exist. When you lack confidence in what someone will do, you are attesting to your belief that he is not in his right mind. This is hardly a miracle-based frame of reference. It also has the disastrous effect of denying the creative power of the miracle. The miracle perceives everything as it is. If nothing but the truth exists, and this is really a redundant statement because what is not true cannot exist, right-minded seeing cannot see anything but perception. We have said many times that only what God creates or what man creates with the same will has any real existence. This, then, is all the innocent can see. They do not suffer from the distortions of the separated ones. The way to correct all such distortions is to withdraw your faith from them and invest it only in what is true. You cannot validate the invalid. I would suggest that you voluntarily give up all such attempts because they can only be frantic. If you are willing to validate what is true in everything you perceive, you will make it true for you. Truth overcomes all error. This means that if you perceive truly, you are canceling out misperceptions in yourself and in others simultaneously. Because you see them as they are, you offer them your own validation of their truth. This is the healing which the miracle actively fosters. Hi, thank you, Lemoyne. And thank you, everyone, who read this this morning. Um, I'm just going to... Uh, if you don't mind, read paragraph 29 as well because it speaks to me today. You cannot validate the invalid. I would suggest you voluntarily give up all such attempts because they can only be frantic. If you are willing to validate what is true in everything you perceive, you will make it true for you. Truth overcomes all error. This means that if you perceive truly, you are canceling out misperceptions in yourself and in others simultaneously. Because you see them as they are, you offer them your own validation of their truth. This is the healing which the miracle actively fosters, actively fosters. Amen. And let's see what time it is here. Great. We have about 15 minutes before the top of the hour, and um, so the floor is open.
Good morning, it's Lana. I've just come in since this since um seems to be uh, time when nobody else is jumping in. <laughs> um, I uh, I I think you you're so right, uh, Laura. This section is short, but boy, it's so fundamental to my understanding of um, you know perception and how it functions and the all or nothing and. <laughs> um, I love that it points to the truth that I can't be in two thought systems simultaneously. When I'm in one, I become oblivious to the other. If I'm in my right mind, the any attribute of the ego seems nonsensical. It just um, seems inconceivable to me. However, if I'm aligned with the ego mentality, then all truth becomes meaningless to me. In fact, I don't even remember it. So what becomes imperative is uh, that I choose once again if I find myself not at peace. You know, and and the good news is that um, all I have to do is that to make a different choice. Once I make that commitment and choice to truth, it just naturally becomes my point of reference in everything I see. Um, I don't have to do any of the heavy lifting. I don't have to do any figuring out or even understanding. I just have to make that choice for truth. And then Holy Spirit kind of kicks in and does the rest. Um, I think that's, oh, one of the reasons that that happens is, um, well, and I know it's in the clarification of terms, I'm not sure where it is in the original edition, but Jesus says that, uh, this has become a really important quote to me, because <laughs> I share it a lot, uh, where he says that mind is the activating agent of spirit providing its creative abilities. So when my mind, when I choose truth, spirit is activated in me. Well, it's the same as saying my truth is activated in me just by making the choice. And and it provides all that my creative abilities and and um, I become a, a co-creator with God as Jesus mentions, mentions in this um, reading. Uh, but that again is just functions naturally out of my healed state of mind. And um, in the pamphlet on, I think it's psychology, Jesus discussed the, discussed the relationship between therapist and the patient. And he makes uh, the point that the therapist cannot be of any help to the patient if their mind is not healed. With a healed mind, um, there are beautiful quotes in the, in the Course that says, you know, the light in one mind shines into another. Um, 
and both are healed. You know, miracles are shared between brothers. And if I'm not perceiving the truth in my, of my brother, the innocence of my brother, um, Jesus asked me once, whose mind needs to be healed? <laughs> you know, because I have to own my perceptions. I have to take responsibility for sight. If I'm not seeing beauty and peace and loveliness and innocence in all I behold, then it's my mind that needs to be healed. And then the effects of that healing will show up in my experience as lovely and loving. Um, it's that relationship, everything. And of course, of course, love really helps in this regard and, and really and it's very instructional in how, in how important relationships are because we are of one mind. And I can't, um, you know, like if I'm perceiving someone is sick or, or upset or depressed, that perception is hiding the truth of my brother or sister. So healing becomes an inside job. I have to go within and heal my mind in order to be able to proceed um, right-mindedly and lovingly. Uh, I'm complete. Thank you for listening. I love this section. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lana. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Lana. Yeah. Thank you, Lana. I, I had a similar experience to, um, to <laughs> the question from Holy Spirit, whose mind is in need of healing? And uh, and it was, I mean, it absolutely and totally clarified that the capital S self we share is shared amongst us all. And and my experience was such that um, there was a person uh, whom I loved very much, um, for whom I desired so much for them to experience the peace of God. And uh, and in spite of everything I tried uh, myself, this person was not at peace. And uh, I tried uh, from multiple points, you know, to share the peace of God with this person, I thought. And... Um, and once, finally, you know, in desperation, I cried out, I don't know what to do. I keep pulling and pulling and pr pulling, trying for this person to um, experience the peace of God. It's like pulling across a river, and the Holy Spirit said to me, wait now, in whose mind is the river? And, uh, and then the penny dropped, you know. It's just one mind. It's all just one mind. And the direct experience of, um, of that sense of belonging um, to each other was changing everything for me. I'm complete. Oh, oh thank, thank you, Lord. That was lovely. Thank you, Lori. It's Robin Marie here, and I have some good news. Um, 
wonderful news, really. Uh, Dennis's daughter, whom he gave up to adoption when he was 17 because the woman that was pregnant with his child said that she had been sleeping with other people and he wasn't sure about this little girl. And at 17, he didn't want to take on that responsibility. He couldn't. So they adopted this child out. And the child went to Montana to a very nice family and became really good at hospital work. And uh, in particular, taking care of older people. And she found her dad about five years ago. And this last week, she came to help Dennis. She went grocery shopping for him. She brought along a physical therapist to make sure that he was doing everything he could to be uh, strengthened before he uh, is going to move into a room that his best friend in Reno is preparing for him. And it was just such a relief for me to hear that he is being taken care of, and not only that, but by his own daughter. So that's my, that's my good news of honoring. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Oh, thank you, Robin Marie. Oh, gee whiz, oh, wow. it seems like it's been two years that you've been concerned about Dennis. That's, that's a great story. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Oh, sure is. Thank you. Thank you, Robin Marie. This is Renee. That's beautiful, Robin Marie. And thank you, Lori, for such a beautiful opening. That point. Lana, I took notes on your share. I That was like a puzzle piece that that's how I'm a co-creator. Just holding the light, then uh, uh, that word activates really stood out for me. Um, that's how I activate my light. I, that, I really wrote it down. Uh, during the reading, I went to Lesson 181, I Trust My Brothers Who Are One With Me, and um, I just wanted to read a little bit from that. Uh, remove your focus on your brother's sins and you experience the peace that comes from faith and sinlessness. And then there's this little protocol. Um, So for a little while, without regard to past or future, should such blocks arise, we will transcend them with instructions to our mind to change their focus as we say. It is not this I will look upon, I trust my brothers who are one with me. Um, that's just w- w- where the reading took me and, and these uh, instructions to my mind, you know. that, And I can't hear enough that she is again. <laughs> I mean, I forget these instructions she is again. Um, it's not this I would look upon. I trust my brothers who are one with me. I I, I really like these little um, instructions. I'm complete. 
Oh, Renee, I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, oh, thank I you. I love Mary. the phrase, activate my light. Sorry, Lana, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just thinking, Renee, that's all. You go ahead and share, Lori. Thank you, Renee. Um, this is Ida. Um, just briefly, I'm going to say, um, with regard to what you just shared, Renee, um, today's lesson, God is in everything I see. And, of course, that means that God is in everyone I see as well. So that's why I can trust my brothers who, because they're one with me and because God is in them, including myself. Thank you. I'm complete. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Ida. Oh, thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. Welcome back, friends. Thank you. Glad to be back. Uh, Just in three minutes, I want to try and say the full import of what you brought forward, uh, Renee, and I trust my brothers who are one with me. The full import uh, to me of that lesson, you know, it's so easy when asked to do that lesson, I think it's 181, I trust my brothers who are one with me. The next sentence says, perception has a focus. To change your focus, all of your perception shifts. And it's so easy when, when doing that lesson the first time to bring to mind someone whom you don't trust. Then you're trying to... Uh, you know, achieve a correction in your mind with the Holy Spirit using this lesson. But this lesson uh, is extremely powerful when used uh, as a means of healing um, because it is the expression of what he's talking about in paragraph 29. I trust my brothers who are one with me is to exclaim the perfection of this one for whom I wish healing more than anything in the whole world. It's an expression of my confidence in the perfection of that brother and the total innocence of this situation, of my total trust in my father to um, achieve perfection uh, from this occurrence, whatever this occurrence is. I trust my brothers who are one with me is to bring to mind this one whom I love so much. And hold him there. Just hold him there in trust and confidence in the power of light and love. It reminds me that there's nothing less than perfection in this brother, in this situation, in my heart, in my brother's heart, in creation. And through this, God is in everything I see because God is in my mind through sharing this light in trust and confidence in the perfection of the miracle. Um, I have a direct experience of that perfection. All is well. All is well. Very, very well. Um, I'm so grateful you brought that lesson this morning, Renee. Thank you very much. I'm complete. Thank you, Laurie. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Laurie. Yes, thank you, Renee. Well, 
And here we are at the top of the hour. So, Fran, gee whiz, we're so glad you're back with us and can lead us this morning as we take um, a top of the hour pause, which we're asked to do all day long today. Um, so, we'll turn to you, Fran. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Hi, everybody. Glad to be back. I missed you guys. So, we'll go to the lesson. We are in the, still in the first part of the workbook. And today we are on Lesson 29. God is in everything I see. So I'll read the lesson and then we'll do our practice. Okay, Lesson 29. God is in everything I see. The idea for today explains why you can see all purpose in anything. It explains why nothing is separate by itself or in itself. And it explains why nothing you see means anything. In fact, it explains every idea we have used thus far and all subsequent ones as well. Today's idea is the whole basis for vision. You will probably find this idea very difficult to grasp at this point. You may find it silly, irreverent, senseless, funny, and even objectionable. Certainly, God is not in a table, for example, as you see it. Yet we emphasized yesterday that a table shares the purpose of the universe. And what shares the purpose of the universe shares the purpose of its creator. Try then today to begin to learn how to look on all things with love, appreciation, and open-mindedness. You do not see them now. Would you know what is in them? Nothing is as it appears to you. Its only purpose stands beyond your little range. When vision has shown you the holiness that lights up the world, you will understand today's idea perfectly. And you will not understand how you could ever have found it difficult. Our six two-minute practice periods for today should follow a now familiar pattern. Begin with repeating the idea to yourself and then apply it to randomly chosen subjects about you, naming each one specifically. Try to avoid the tendency towards self-directed selection, which may be particularly tempting in connection with today's idea because of its wholly alien nature. Remember, that any order you impose is equally alien to reality. Your list of subjects should therefore be as free of self-selection as possible. For example, a suitable list might include God is in this coat hanger. God is in this magazine. God is in this finger. God is in this lamp. God is in that body. God is in that door. God is in that wastebasket. In addition to the assigned practice periods, repeat the idea for today at least once an hour, looking slowly about you as you say the words unhurriedly to yourself. At least once or twice you should experience a sense of restfulness as you do this. Lesson 29 God isn't everything I see. Five minutes.
Now I'm going to read the paragraph from the review of Lesson 29. <clears throat> God is in everything I see. Behind every image I have made, the truth remains unchanged. Behind every veil I have drawn across the face of love, its light remains undimmed. Beyond all my insane wishes is my will united with the will of my Father. God is still everywhere and in everything forever, and we who are part of him will yet look past all appearances and recognize the truth beyond them all. Lesson 29, God is in everything I see. Amen. Amen. Thank you, friend. Thank you, friend. Thank you, friend. That's such a powerful lesson. Thank you. Thank you, guys. I love when he tells us in paragraph three, <clears throat> try then today to begin to learn how to look on all things with love, appreciation, and open-mindedness. I love that. I got that. As soon as I got that, read that, I thought, I'm going to do that to people today. Try, then today, to begin to learn how to look on all things. And I, in my mind, put the word people. With love, appreciation, and open-mindedness. Wow. Incomplete. Oh, that's stupendous, friend. Thank you. Yes, wow. My my thought exactly, friend. And and I notice in that phrase he doesn't say love appreciation and understanding. It's love appreciation and open mindedness. Uh under open mindedness comes before understanding and uh, an open-mindedness to me is an expression of my willingness to uh, be informed uh, to be instructed to be taught uh, to listen to hear um, to be shown so thank you for bringing out that phrase friend I'm grateful I'm complete Yeah, me too. Thank you. Good morning. <clears throat> this is Donna. <clears throat> and what got me started with the lesson today was uh, probably Friday. Um, Laurie made a comment. She said, uh, Christ control takes over everything that doesn't matter, end quote. And I believe she gave the, one of the references of uh, review 42, which is in lesson 59. And, and because I caught that in my study of this, I went back, and there's also in this uh, Circle of Atonement edition of 
a reference back to um, lesson 20. And when I put 20 and 42 together with 29 today, uh, it helped me work on what I'm working on, which is vision. I did see my soul. My, with my soul vision, I saw, oh, this is my soul scene. And I also saw the form and recognized, oh, that's when I'm traveling uh, as. I'm not even going to say in <laughs> or with. Um, so listening to um, Fran read the lesson, I, uh, from paragraph, with the idea that vision is what I'm working on. So anytime I see the word see, I, I, I get uh, interested. So from the first paragraph, uh, uh, this was how I put it so I can use it. Today's, basic, today's idea is the whole basis for vision, which is to see God always. And then from paragraph two, what I got from that to use was everything is for God's purpose. And from paragraph three, I got, I will let God, God's guide lead me to letting love do her work. I accept that grace. Thank you. I am complete. I accept that grace. Thank you very much, Donna. That was beautiful. Thank you, Donna. Oh, thank you, Donna. That was truly lovely, walking through that with you. This is Fran. I also like in the, in the lesson in um, the end of paragraph three when he says, when vision has shown you the holiness that lights up the world, you will understand today's idea perfectly. And you will not understand how you could ever have found it difficult. That makes me chuckle. <laughs> I'm complete. <laughs> yeah, that's great, Fran. Sort of like that. Um, we're all familiar with that image of, of um, you know, that's designed to <clears throat> designed to point out uh, the errors inherent in perception. At first, it looks like a beautiful young woman wearing a very large hat 
with a feather. <clears throat> but when your vision shifts, or you allow your vision to soften and shift, all of a sudden on the left side of the image you see an old crone with a very large nose. Um, and, and that shift, um, that shift is what he wants me to be aware of as possible. That shift in perception from error to truth. And, and um, it just seems really important for me. Um, I, I think there's one unmuted line. Let me just tap it. Um, it seems really important for me to um, to be aware of the fact, and it's a fact, that true perception, um, right-minded perception, <coughs> pardon me, is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, when I'm in my right mind, I'm seeing with the Holy Spirit. I'm thinking with the Holy Spirit. I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to enlighten me as to um, what what is going on, what I see, what I want to be aware of, what I should be aware of, what I can be aware of. It's not, um, how do I say, um, it's all grace, you know, it's just all grace. And... Um, The reason to me, I'll say it like this, the reason to me in the second part of the workbook, the very first what is, is what is forgiveness. It's fundamental that I realize truth is a given and it is for me to choose. And once I choose consistently to see and think with the Holy Spirit, um, there will be many shifts in my uh, experience of the world, of situations, of people. Um, and, and those shifts are a consequence of, of choosing. <clears throat> the what is forgiveness says, what you think your brother did to has not occurred. And it also says forgiveness looks and waits and judges not. It doesn't say <clears throat> forgiveness runs around and tries to arrange everything according to likes or dislikes. <laughs> it doesn't say forgiveness efforts at all. And the most difficult <clears throat> thing to realize for me was that forgiveness is done for me, not by me. It's a consequence of choosing to see and think and hear and look um, with the Holy Spirit. And um, in doing these lessons every day, uh, the first time I thought, yeah, I remember coming to this group saying, I'm an utter failure because I can't think of anything every 20 minutes. I, I top the hour goes by and I haven't done my lesson. I have not I have not said God is in everything I see. And, and I remember coming to this group and just weeping at my utter failure uh, to do it the way it says to be done, thinking that um, any of this, any of these lessons are up to me at all. 
truth is a given. And um and and is a consequence of choosing. And once I choose and make a firm commitment, um something happens to my experience. Um it turns out to be, and this didn't happen in one day. It didn't happen in one year. It didn't happen in five years. Um, but it does happen that the waves in awareness that I used to experience, life is good, life is horrible. I see peace, I don't. I understand love, I don't. I don't see love, I do. <laughs> um, those waves calmed you know over time doesn't mean they don't uh, still come but um, allowing forgiveness to light my understanding is the same as to say I withdraw what I thought before and let you show me and the more I withdraw what I thought before and let Holy Spirit show me uh, the greater the peace and um, and it seems like um, it's a peace that encompasses uh, and blesses. And it doesn't belong to me any more than it belongs to any separate being. It belongs to the mind we share together. And that's why um, it's such a blessing to have these dialogues and share these words with each other. Um, so I'm complete. Well, thank you so much for that. That was great. Thank oh, you. Thank you, Mari. Thank you, Mari. I wanted to share something about... <coughs> Excuse me. Still taking a long time to get over a cold. But um, I wanted to share something about God is in everything I see. Well, it's coming. I just realized it's coming tomorrow in the next lesson, but I'm going to say it now anyway. Um, God is in everything I see because God is in my mind. And at some point in my life, I made this shift from seeing everything out there as a separate world, separate from me, to seeing everything in my mind, and I'm projecting, I'm projecting it, and like the Course says, I'll make an ego for everybody, if I make a separate ego for everybody that I see, or even think about, Um, and um, so God is in everything I see because God is in me, and I'm and I'm the one that's seeing it. It's like, in a sense, I'm the one that made up this world, and each one of us is the one that made up the world we see. Everybody's world is a little bit different, you know, to some extent. And, and um, so that's the main thing I wanted to say that God is in everything I see because God is in my mind. Thanks. I'm complete. Oh, that's a great preview. Ida. Yes, thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you. Yeah, thank I, you, it Ida. Reminds me, yeah Ida, I, it reminds me of 
God is an idea. And that yeah. is also written. And I, I really, when I, when I first heard that, I thought, yeah, that's it. Thanks, Ida. You're welcome. Thank you, Reverend Marie. It gives me a lot, as you all know from sharing here, it gives me a lot to share with you. It gives me as much, if not more, to share as to hear your shares, although your shares are wonderful and helpful and always, and I'm really glad to hear them, you know. So I'm complete. Donna. Yeah, thank you, Ida. Your share, let me look at uh, paragraph five a little more seriously because it does look silly, Coats Magazine. Give me a break, really. But then it came to me, there is only God, and God is my life. So I'm just put me on the bottom of the list of God is in that Donna, and it just takes all the superficiality out of everything we see. Thanks, Ida. I appreciate that very much. I am complete. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. I agree with you. Yeah, I, I love that idea. It, it transforms the superficiality of everything we see. Everything becomes a, a profound opportunity to love and be loved. I'm complete. Ultimately, there is only God. And I realize at some point that the Course says that. In maybe not in thousands of words, but in a few words, in at least a couple of different places, it does say that ultimately there is only God. Um, and uh, I got an audio book yesterday of the essential Rumi, and I've been listening to it, and I've loved hearing his words and his um, quatrains or whatever they call them because of the soul beneath his words and he doesn't necessarily explain things scientifically but definitely of course anybody who's heard him or read him knows that he explains things to deep from deep in the heart to deep in the heart and in the soul dare i say so um i recommend that uh, the essential roomy audiobook or book or whatever version you you read it in or hear it in to everybody here. I'm complete. Oh, thank you, Ida. Thank you, thank Ida. You, Ida. Thanks, Ida. Rumi always sounds like he's punch drunk in love with God. And <laughs> sees God everywhere. It's it's a beautiful expression to receive. His joy. I'm complete. Thanks, Wendy. Thanks, Wendy. Thanks, Wendy, yes. 
Hi, your grade one. It's Lana. Um, this, uh, the lesson in the text reading took me back today um, to a revelatory experience I had a few years ago. And I have written about it and I probably shared it here, not recently though. But um, it was truly amazing. And, and, you know, it's hard to put into words, but um, I was taken, like my spirit was taken both to the macro experience of life and the micro experience of life down to um, actually the atomic level. And um, Jesus was showing me an atom and how alive it was. There were protons and neutrons and electrons all bouncing off each other, um, just alive with spirit. And um, the degree in which and how close one atom is to another really uh, points to how the solidity of form can be very deceiving. You know, in a rock, the atoms are very close together. Yet in um, the air and sound waves, light particles, they're very far apart. So far apart that um, it doesn't attain a state of visibility for our body's eyes. But nevertheless, um, the lesson tells me today that everything shares the purpose of the universe, and the universe shares the purpose of its creator. So, you know, once again, I was shown that um, it's not so much what I see, but how I see it, you know, because everything shares the purpose of, of God, of creation. So it's always, um, love is always there. And the fact that I can't perceive it doesn't diminish the fact that it's truth. And it led me to uh, realize that the litmus test for either reality or unreality is not so much the form but the love it contains. So love became the definition of reality for me. And um, I was shown that, um, you know, even in atom, atoms can be split but they can never be destroyed. And that same atom that started existence is somewhere, still lives somewhere in God's creation. Who knows where it's traveled to, but um, I can see eternity in everything. I can see, um, you know, going out to the macro um, point of view, you know, the stars, the planets, the galaxies, the universe and the universe of universes, you know, it, it all became Christ to me. Christ uh, consciousness holds everything together. And 
you know, physics is, or quantum physics is now attesting to that fact that everything is connected and actually communicates with one another. You know, whether something is light years away and distance and time, it doesn't matter. It's all part of the interlocking web of God. And so everything becomes holy. You know, I... <laughs> I used to think, you know, and, and probably to some ex- this adventure in being human seems to be about finding love where love seems not to be uh, because it's all love, it's all good, it's all God, regardless of how it manifests in form or without form. You know, it all shares God's purpose. Um, and when I hold on to that idea, God is in everything I see. Everything. There's, there's nothing that is not God, that is not eternal, that is not holy. You know, only my definitions and opinions and the meaning I give to things through my thinking mind can can try to alter or change what is. So what is, is. So it becomes um, a journey in acceptance and allowing and not doing battle with what seems to be invariance to love because it is love even if I'm not perceiving it and whether it's an action or behavior of an individual or a country or a political party or a certain religion or fundamental belief system, you know, um, I can embrace it all with love. In fact, love is the remedy for healing anything which appears unlike itself. So it all, for me, it always comes back to love. As my identity, as your identity, as God's reality, um, as the meaning of the world and everything in it. And um, I just have to be careful about not being fooled by appearances or things that I'm triggered by. You know, when I'm triggered by something, I know it's a call to heal. It's a call for love. When I'm triggered by something someone says or does, it's a call to love. It's a call to heal. Not so much in the outward picture, but in the inner experience. So uh, I, I really think the lesson and the reading today are fundamental in uh, this course of miracles in training the mind and always choosing again when I've chosen wrongly. You know, to choose wrongly is not good or bad. It's not right or wrong. It's just very uncomfortable and can be very fearful. So um, my motivation for all of this is inner peace because that's a powerful state of mind. There's no conflict there. So, um, and all the lesson and the reading today point me to that, point my mind, my mind to that. And I fill up with gratitude to everyone and everything 
and I can perceive them as gifts in either pointing what needs to be healed or in gratitude for, for what I'm seeing as the truth. Um, I, guess, I guess that sums it up. I didn't mean to go on so long, but thank you all for listening. I'm complete. That was beautiful, Lana. You say it so well. Thank you very much. Boy, thank you. You, you do. You, you do. You say it so well. You should write a book. Stop it that way. Thank you. Whenever everybody asks me that, I, I tell them I have written a book. It's called Facebook. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I love it. I loved what you wrote on Facebook today about, or you copied, um, picked out a session about fear, not mastering fear. That was great. Thank you. Oh, right. Yeah, thank you. This is Donna again, and I just wanted to confirm... um, Ida said that in the course a couple of places she's heard where God is the only, well, I'm not going to redo her words because she did. But what I did was I know it's in scripture. So I did look it up. And in Isaiah uh, chapter 45, God is speaking himself in first person in verse five. And he says, I am the Lord and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee though thou hast not known me. So that's kind of where we are. And uh, there are other references. One is Deuteronomy 4, 35 and 39. I am complete. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Donna. I love it when you yeah. do that. Thank you, Donna. Yeah. Thank you, Donna. You know, what a beautiful exploration of scripture. And I love to do that too. You know, um, I know that the Bible was written for the culture of that time. But um, deeper beyond those word symbols, I see so many validations for A Course in Miracles in the Bible. Uh, So I always appreciate your sharing, Donna. Thank you. Me too. Love those scripture quotes. Thanks. Lana, I have a, just a, a quick question because you were talking about, you had brought up political candidates. And I haven't listened to the news in a while by choice, except for, you know, something on the phone just to keep up. My husband kind of lives by it in his studio, and I'll get recaps over dinner and, you know, and kind of listen to him. But still, I'm on the sidelines with jumping in or having an opinion because I don't want to really, you know, vibrate in that energy. I want to see things for how I, you know, want. I don't want to add to that. I want to, you know, see how I want to see it in a different way. But with, but it's beginning to stir me up again. You know, um, I and and I know. Probably, you know, I, and I'm certain on this call that there are different camps, you know, with how, you know, who they see each person. But I'm, for me personally, I'm, I'm troubled, you know, with Donald Trump, 
I, as many times as I try and stretch and ask God and help me to see this differently, I can't get beyond that. It's so much easier for me to be in the world. Like yesterday, I had such an enlightening day from going out early morning in the drive because I go to my church at Unity when it's just breaking day, you know, to get there early to set things up and help them out. And and um, the sun was in the sky. Our moon was still in the sky, and I'm waving to the sky, acknowledging it, saying, oh, hello, moon. And as I'm <coughs> driving to church, the sun is rising, and my fingers, you know, are kind of, you know, blocking some of the sunlight as I'm driving. And I'm saying, oh, hello, sun. You know, I can see it. It was such an inflow day of feeling gratitude and love for God everywhere and everything and everybody regardless of how they were showing up, I only saw light and love, and little sparks were around that at times. But when I come to this subject, like today, you know, um, I can't get there with him. How do you, how can you help me, is the question. See beyond how to see this differently so I can see him as a brother. I'm complete. This is Donna. I I got to get in here. I've got to talk this. I know. I, I love to hear this, Donna, but I really want to hear Lana. I want to hear her opinion first, please. Oh, excuse me. Oh, thank you, Donna. Um, you know, for me in politics, I used to be very into it. <laughs> I was a political junkie. You know, I listened to all the commentary on the cable news channel. And I think it was when, in 2016, when Trump first came down that escalator, (laughs) that, um, you know, I knew it was going to be a lesson that I had to learn. You know, Jesus says in truth, I'm sorry, There's no difference between Hitler and Mother Teresa, except for my judgments. And, and of course, the goal being inner peace. You know, it's it's like uh, I try to stay above the battleground. I try to stay, um, because when I do, I see that um, (laughs) Kate Greaves said something really funny. He says, in this world, everybody hates everybody, <laughs> and especially when it comes to politics. But I look beyond that because I see, <clears throat> I'm so sorry, I, I remember that every person, everyone has a family, has a mother or a father, is a, a son or a daughter, is a brother or sister. Everyone, both in form and in their humanity, is bound together through love. And uh, what what was important for me is to recognize that of myself, I can do nothing. You know, I can't make myself see Trump or Biden or anybody else differently. That's what miracles are for. That's what forgiveness is for. You know, and Jesus says that first comes forgiveness, then understanding. 
So trying to understand it before I'm healed, um, it's not good or bad, but as Jesus says, it's just a tragic waste of time because I'm trying to reinterpret something with the mind that misinterpreted it in the beginning to make me feel in fear or in judgment of a brother. You know, so the first thing I do for just about anything is recognize that um, if I'm not at peace, I've misperceived something. And that call, that's just a call for healing. It has nothing to do with the outer picture because one illusion is no different than another. Just like there's no order of difficulty in miracles, there's no order of difficulty in illusions because nothing always equals nothing. So I have to do a U-turn and come within. And there I meet up with Holy Spirit or I converse with Jesus. Um, and ask, you know, what is the truth of this? What am I not seeing? Um, what am I not experiencing? But I have to come to that humbling position of um, recognizing I don't know what anything is for. One time I remember I was having a telephone conversation with our dear friend Lee, and the doctor had just, just prescribed a new medicine for my congestive heart failure. And I was I was really upset, you know, with it. You know, I, I had made up all this stuff about how it's going to affect my life and um, the changes I had to do. And, and, oh, boy, I had made up a terrific story. He just listened, just listened so patiently until I got to the re- a point where I recognized that maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong about this medication. Maybe I'm wrong about what it's, how it's going to affect my life and my body. Maybe I'm wrong about everything. And, and I think that's the way we have to when we're in pain about anything, be it emotional or physical. I have to entertain the possibility that maybe I'm wrong, especially those experiences that feel so real and I feel I'm so right and someone else is so wrong, to entertain that possibility that maybe I'm wrong and maybe God has a remedy for this predicament, whatever it is. But I've got to get out of the way. You know, this reading today in the lesson makes it so clear to me that my function when I'm not at peace is to choose once again. And that choice for God, just like I shared earlier, it's the mind is the uh, activating agent for spirit. So when I choose, when I align my mind with, with God and make that choice for truth, Spirit clicks in, it's activated, and then I'm home free because spirit and the truth of me undoes all of my misperceptions about anything or anyone. I can't see love in this world until I realize it's an inside job. It's something that is born within 
or I should rather say it is reborn because it always was there, the recognition that all is love, all is good, all is God, and it doesn't matter how scary this, this appearances may be. My, I call it love potion number one. <laughs> it heals everything unlike itself, and it restores me to peace. So as far as political candidates are concerned, I don't really know them. I'm not in Trump's home in the evening when he's talking with his family or sharing things with his wife or helping someone. I don't know anything about Trump other than what I hear on the media. And we all know that that can be you know, distorted. But it's none of my business. All, my function is to see the truth in him. And I can't see the truth in him until I see the truth in myself. And once my mind is healed, you know, I'm just, um, I wish all the candidates love and I'd send them blessings because I sure wouldn't want to be in their position. I sure wouldn't want to be president. <laughs> That's an awesome responsibility. And um, I'm just not prepared to do that. So I can't judge anybody else for doing it. And I can't judge their manner of doing it. My function is to love them. And I can't do that without joining with God so he can teach me, so he can show me, so he can deliver me from the madness surrounding all the political mess. And one more thing I wanted to share real quickly, but I'll shut up, is when I was very young, I had just gotten married, and my husband was um, a big fan of race car, of car races. And we rented uh, with another couple, we rented one of those Winnebago's, and we went up to Watkins Glen, New York, to the Toyota Grand Prix. Well, I didn't see much of racing, but everybody was partying. We were on the camping grounds, and nightfall came, and everyone was drinking and just having a grand old time. And there was, they set a big bonfire in what's called a bog. It's like a crevice. Um, and there was a crowd on one side and a crowd on the other, just drunk drunk as hell, but enjoying themselves until one person shouted at the top of his lungs, the other side sucks. I'm telling you, it turned into mayhem. A fight broke up, broke out. Everybody was jumping in the blog and fist fighting. It was terrible. The worst thing I've ever seen. I think a couple people even ended up into in the fire. They had to call the police. And because it was a grand Toyota Grand Prix, there was a lot of media there. So helicopters started to come. And it was all because one person, without knowing who any of those people were, without being in relationship, just said the other side sucked. And then it was like a tribal reaction if you were on one side of the blog or the other. It can, you know, something can trigger the rage within us. Um, and we, you know, even the slightest grievance, Jesus says, are scraps of hatred. 
So if that is ignited, um, and then you get agreement from a lot of other people that validate what you believe, you need a miracle to break loose of that. It's not something we can do do ourselves, but that um, that clause in A Course in Miracles, that choose once again clause, I agree. You know, we'd all be... Um, screwed if we didn't have that uh, that choice to make uh, so I don't know if that was helpful or not Diana and I'm sorry it took so long to get it all out but that's just what entered my mind in response to your inquiry so thank you I'm complete no, I appreciate that and Judy I owe you an amends I was just I lean heavily on, on Lana because I, I I don't know. I resonate with what she says. I need. I needed to hear her, but I'm very interested in you because I know you're very connected to the Bible, and I want to hear your your thought on this. So please. Uh, that was a call to you, Donna. Oh, I meant. Yeah. Well, well please come ahead, Donna. I, I beg your pardon? Uh, just come ahead here. Please go ahead. I was, going, I was going to just, first of all, I apologize. I didn't understand you were addressing Lana, so I thought you were talking to the group. I didn't mean to be ignorant, number one. And then number two is I was going to speak from a um, larger, from the the universal concept anyway. So I wasn't going to address it at this, what I call the human level. Um, so maybe another time because I have, a, I have a call that I have to be on it at 11 a.m. But I just, I don't have a, a problem with it. <laughs> but, but when the subject becomes a little more universal uh, another day, if it does, then I'll speak on that. I'm just so grateful to be here today. I caught the lesson, and I love all of you. And, Diane, I spoke up because I do. I do love to hear your questions, and I'll look forward to more. So I hate to say so long for now, but I, but I must. God bless everybody. Thank you, Lori, for helping me navigate this stream. <laughs> I love you guys. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, Donna. Donna. Have a great day. Thank you, Donna. Have a good day. Okay. Have a great day, everybody. God bless. Bye-bye. Love you, dear. Thank you. Um, If it's helpful, I have just one thing to say about your, um, about this uh, situation in your mind, Diana. Two things, I guess. Um, when I'm clear in myself, uh, it's like this. I think to myself, if Donald Trump came to my door and knocked, I would open the door and greet him the same way I'd greet anyone else coming to my door. Um, because the door is a lot like my heart, you know? And, and from my heart, I know that there is a greeting in me for any son of God. This situation helps me straighten out the fact sometimes my mind has opinions that differ with my heart. 
and uh, the correction that I need is a correction for the truth in my mind. And that, um, to that, I look to the fact that uh, my mind sometimes is asleep to truth and is dreaming. And in the dream, all kind of bad stuff happens. But in the manual for teachers, he says, how many teachers of God does it take to save the world? Just one. Just one. Sanctified, innocent, has accepted atonement for himself, and he is healed. We look like many, but it's the function of God's teachers to be aware of dreaming. In the dream, the dream figures come and they go. They do this and they do that. But the teacher of God remembers that unity alone is not a thing of dreams. I might have baffled that up a little bit, but in my mind, um, my hand reaches for the doorknob and opens the door and recognizes the truth of my heart. And so when my mind differs, it's my mind that needs a correction. And it's just like, um, like Lana said, I don't know. I have lots of opinions. I hear stories. Um, but my heart always knows, you know. And, and if you look to your heart, you'll discover the same thing. So uh, that's what I have to say about that. And you know what? There's a couple of voices we haven't heard from today, and I'd sure love to hear uh, from them. So uh, I'm going to take, take the time before we end the recording to make a request um, directed at you. Hi, this is Wendy. Would it be all right if I just gave a quick um, reading that I got from Spirit about voting? <laughs> and then I, I love it. Thank you. Okay. Um, I received this a few days ago with that same confusion about should I get involved in this election because it seems like there's danger. And this is what Spirit said. Um, I wrote, should I vote? And it said, it is this, beloved. A chorus of tears. The crowd approves. It is a parade. What is being celebrated? It's a parade for the winner. But what of the loser and his followers? It is a world of division. Do you see? It's not real. But you can play your part. So long as you know it's merely a dream. Cast your ballot for the candidate you believe brings you closer to the truth. Separation is an illusion. Participating in it does not reinforce one's awareness of the truth. So vote, but keep in the forefront of your mind this is merely a dream of separation and will not rescue anyone. Only the truth. All are winners. All deserve love. All are one. All is well. I'm complete. <laughs> Thank you, Wendy. Oh, that's Wendy. perfect, Wendy. Thank you. All is yeah, I love that one. Thank you.
Well, here's a final call yeah. for anyone who hasn't shared yet. There, there you are. Thank you. Hmm. Well, uh, this is Lemoyne. I think the first thing I wanted to say is still the first thing I want to say, which is uh, how your that opening poem really really speaks to tomorrow's reading at least the second and third paragraphs or the beginning of it <clears throat> and <laughs> it says true perception is the basis for knowledge it's not uh, the previous paragraph says um, perception is not knowledge, but true perception is the basis for knowledge. <clears throat> and I think, you know, this is what also what the lesson speaks to, is that we've trained ourselves and not just alone, but collectively, together, all together, this thing of one ego for ourselves and one ego for everyone else, it doesn't quite exactly, I think it does say and mean that, that this is the division of the world into self and other. But, <clears throat> you know, what the Course spends a year trying to drive home is that um, that a true that the truth is not only uh, distinct from illusion it's also universal or it's not true it's always true and everywhere true and that, you know, um, I think, I, I think I just have to go to what Paul Selig's guides say, you know, over and over again. Their main focus point is your only real problem is the denial of divinity. And, you know, to... Uh, see anyone and it is a stock and trade of essentially all not all but most political figures that they divide that they judge and and uh, I think if we this is it is it seems very difficult but it is an essential thing if we let the denial of divinity call us into the denial of divinity then we're not getting anywhere you know we're still lost in lost in illusion and division an illusion based on division that isn't real that you know it's a difference, but it doesn't actually separate. Difference really implies relationship, 
and not separation. And, oh, sorry, I'm a little bit muzzy uh, this morning. And this, it doesn't, a lot of this doesn't really fit in words. And um, I think the thing of recognizing, this is a real chance to recognize that all feelings of lack of love come from an inability to receive. And it's not to receive something or even some particular blessing from someone else, but that's inevitable in this, in in a fear reaction that we withdraw and we're unable to receive. So I think this is the way in which someone like I would have to say, at this point, I have to say either of the two candidates for president, primary candidates for president, um, can be seen as cause for fear, but then that is that is not real. I have to remember this is if I let them call me to fear that it will always be. The future will always be the same. It is me making that judgment that it'll always be the same in the future and potentially, normally, only getting worse, right? The cycle of the action of fear is to call more fears, call on more fear. Similarly, the action of love is to create more love. And so you know it is. It's it's interesting. The whole thing is a personal challenge, essentially to everyone, to um, not to not to shine. Well, I mean to shine it on in the true sense, not to shine it on in the sense of pretend it's not really going on but to understand that the real basic problem doesn't change whether we're looking at the presidential candidate or just somebody passing by on the street or a neighbor or people in the store, whatever it is, that, you know, um, any feeling of lack of love comes from an inability to receive and that's here in my perception and not actually over there. And it doesn't actually require anything of the other person to change my own mind about it. I think the thing, the first step is to question the illusion. If someone appears to always be a cause for fear or often be a cause for fear that's an illusion worth questioning why why do I see the fear there what is this fear for me because it's uh, you know even if they're actively if they, they seem to be quite actively calling on it and or you know trying to project and and 
speaking in terms of fear and attack, it doesn't have to affect who I am. Uh, on some level, it's just words. It's just vibrations of atoms in the air. Why does that change, appear to change my state of being? And that the actual, the actual release, the salvation is, is accessed through forgiving the judgments that place us at effect of others' errors. And, you know, again, so it's actually from tomorrow's reading. You know, questioning illusions is the first step. And in the third paragraph, 32, but that paragraph ends with, you know when you have ceased to ask questions. And it is, that poem from the beginning, I think, is, is the advice on how to deal with these seemingly intractable um, or, you know, people that have established such momentum, you know, you cannot expect them to change. And the question, the real question for me being an effect of that is for me, and my self-perception and what it is about my perception of them that is actually my projected self-perception that has me reacting you know very tightly like they're causing it rather than i've already done this to myself and therefore i'm an effect of what is going on even if it's like I say, just just you know, political rhetoric designed to produce effect, <laughs> and uh, it doesn't have the you know what goes on out quote unquote outside does not have to affect us in the way that we think. There is a there is a level at which forgiveness must be um, you must be as an acceptance of blessing to release our judgments that allow us to uh, again um, to go back to the thing to cease our denial of divinity in ourselves and in the other person who's triggering us. Anyway, I'll stop there. I'm complete. Denial of divinity. That was great, Lemoyne. Thank you. Thanks, Lemoyne. Oh, thank you so much, Lemoyne. That was excellent. Thank you. Yeah. You always take me back to um, mind is cause and the difference between projection and manifestation. And so, in light of that, I think a perfect close is from the way of salvation. 
in chapter 13, paragraph 91. Before you make any decisions for yourself, remember you've decided against your function in heaven and consider carefully whether you want to make decisions here. Your function here is only to decide against deciding what you want in recognition that you do not know how. You do not know how then can you decide what you should do. Leave all decisions to the Capital One who speaks for God and for your function as he knows it. So will he teach you. So will he teach you to remove the awful burden you have laid upon yourself by loving not the Son of God and trying to teach him guilt instead of love. Give up this frantic and insane attempt which cheats you of the joy of living with your God and Father and awakening gladly to his love and holiness which join together as the truth in you making you one with him. And that's the whole reason I felt it so critical that we go back to paragraph 24 to set the stage for today and tomorrow's reading. Innocence is incapable of make, of sacrificing anything because the innocent mind has everything and strives only to protect its wholeness. This is why it cannot misproject. It can only honor man because honor is the natural greeting of the truly loved to others who are like them. The Lamb taketh away the sins of the world only in the sense that the state of innocence or grace is one in which the meaning of atonement is perfectly apparent. The innocence of God is the true state of mind of his son. In this state, man's mind does see God. And because he sees him as he is, he knows that the atonement not sacrifice is the only appropriate gift to his own altar where nothing except true perfection belongs. The understanding of the innocent is truth. That is why their altars are truly radiant. Amen. And thank you everyone. This is this has been a very practical and helpful discussion today. I'm very grateful. And I'll end the recording.